Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 254, How to Stay Calm in Times of Stress with Jen Riday. All right, everyone, something weird has been happening to me during these strange COVID-19 times. I have found myself choking up over the silliest things, a cute commercial, a picture of one of my kids, videos on YouTube of babies getting hearing aids and hearing their family members for the first time. Now, this might be normal for many and actually hopefully most of you, but for me, I'm a cry once a year. And with all that we've been facing right now, I've witnessed a sort of break in myself, a shift, but what I think is the best kind. It's like I'm allowing myself to feel things that I'd normally stuff down or busy my way out of. Now, I recorded this interview last week with Jen Riday of the Vibrant Happy Woman podcast, and it was only in our chat together that I was able to finally identify why my newfound teary-eyedness is a good thing. It's helping me stay calm with more permission to feel than in times past for myself, and actually a surprising amount of movement, especially outside, which you're going to hear more of in this episode. I actually feel more sane rather than more stressed. 
This interview with Jen will give you doable ways to stay calm during times of stress, whether that's a worldwide pandemic or just a bad case of some terrible twos from a toddler in your life. And speaking of which, I have one sitting on my lap right now at 930 at night (laughs) while I'm recording this intro. Friends, you can stay calm. Let's talk about how. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packard, and I don't want you to just listen to this show. I want it to change you. This community of progressors empowers women to take on radical growth via sustainable changes. Are you motivated and ready to grow in your identity, purpose, and productivity? You can when you remember that life is about progress, not perfection. I'm smack dab in the middle of my free You Can Get Organized challenge, and it has honestly been a joy to see people show up there and participate. And as part of it, they're sharing these small ways that they are acting the organization part they want to play. And as part of it, they are witnessing for themselves that they can change one small step at a time, which for many participants have has been a revolutionary way of thinking about themselves. My full course that's connected to the challenge, the organization overhaul, was designed to carry that doctrine in mind, that in the words of Angela Duckworth, greatness is doable. Throughout the whole 12-week audio course, you will get 24 lessons from 12 guest teachers, myself included, to help you jumpstart your organization in your mind, space, and time so you have the clarity, peace, and confidence you need to face chaotic times. So speaking of chaotic times, I wanted to really step it up for people who are going through a lot right now. So I decided to include some amazing supportive bonuses for those who do buy my audio course organization overhaul by May 1st. Those bonuses include three months of twice monthly office hours where you get coached through your organization hurdles in a small group setting. And another bonus, three months access to my membership group, where you find your people. That's an extra $360 value on top of the $300 value course. And you can get that and the lifetime access to the course at one year access price with the code about progress. And again, this is all before May 1st. Use the code about progress, one word, all caps to get lifetime access and the two big bonuses I explained there at the one year access price. Go to aboutprogress.com slash organization overhaul to sign up before prices go up and the bonuses disappear. Again, that's aboutprogress.com slash organization overhaul. Hey everyone, I'm Jen Ride from Madison, Wisconsin. I'm a mom of six and I live just outside of Madison in the woods with five of my kids. The oldest is 18 and has moved out to his own place. Hooray. Wow. Cut the apron New stage, yes. Yeah. And the youngest is six. Mm. Um, I have a podcast called Vibrant Happy Women. And my goal and motivation is to help women feel more vibrant, happy, aligned and alive. Because a lot Mm -hmm. of times our responsibilities in life and the busyness can make us feel a little bit, I don't know, trapped and resentful and frustrated. And I want to get rid of all of that and feel Mm -hmm. awesome. So I'm super happy to be here. 
Well, I've listened to your podcast for years. Um, I really think since near the very beginning of its inception. So I'm so glad you're here. So glad that we get to do a return guest interview with you as well. So I'll link to the other episode that we did together when you were on our show before. But, you know, you speak about being vibrant instead of feeling trapped and we're all going through COVID-19 pandemic right now. <laughs> yeah, and, good timing. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, we kind of are trapped in many ways and are, you know, even just physically, but also emotionally and mentally. And I want to talk through this, you know, woman to woman, what has been working for you? What hasn't? And how are you able to still work on managing your emotions during this really difficult time? So let's just start by you know, backing up a little and, and tell us how it's gone the last uh, month plus for you. And in terms of just adapting to this time of life for you and your family. Yes, totally. I would say my experience of coronavirus has phases. So mm, okay. to take you back to the first phase, I love statistics. That sounds really weird. But um, so I was tracking coronavirus long before it even got here. Really? I had a spreadsheet <gasps> And I love I, this. This is, this is so fun to <laughs> well, learn this. It probably wasn't the most healthy thing to do, as you're going to hear. But I was tracking it. And then I saw someone at church and I said, um, Hillary, uh, what's our plan? Because I'm kind of in a group that's over the women's organization at church. Yeah. And I'm like, Hillary, what's our plan? You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to help others when they get sick? This thing is coming. And she just stared at me like I had lost my mind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, same thing. I called my extended family. I talked to them. Luckily, my husband is also really good at stats. So he understood quickly what was coming. Mm. And so um, it finally came and we were quickly, way quicker than I expected. Everyone was sent into kind of a lockdown, safer at home. Yeah. And I couldn't believe how fast that happened because I happen fast. two weeks before that, no one even believed to me that it was here and coming. Mm -hmm. And um, for me... I went through all the stages of grief really, really fast yeah. because I think statistically I could see the whole coronavirus experience from start to finish. I had outlined different models of my own mm -hmm. and I could see, wow, tons of death, suffering, pain, loneliness. And so I kind of went through the stages of grief. My first one, though, I had a ton of fear and I mm -hmm. imagine many people listening have gone through that. And I felt just super stuck and paralyzed with this crazy fear. I, I've never experienced anything like it in my life. Mm. And it took me a while to realize it was time to let go of my spreadsheet. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. so, and it was time to not follow the news as closely. I think we've all come to that point that mm -hmm. we're, we cut ties with the, the social media and the news. And um, that started to pass. But then I quickly shifted into anger because anger feels better to us than fear or or sadness. Isn't yes. that interesting? It's a higher vibration emotion. Hmm. I was mad at my parents for not taking it seriously. I was mad at my husband. I was just mad at everyone. Yeah. And then I went clear to the sadness. Mm -hmm. And that day, I just got into the bath and decided I had to sit there and feel everything. I worked through more of the fear. I just kept concentrating on what I was feeling. And I just started to cry and cry and cry for all of these people. And mm. I, it seemed a bit, quote unquote, crazy to me because 
I didn't know all these people who were going to suffer, but I just felt it all. And finally, after four hours in that bath, I moved beyond something. So I feel like I handled a lot of my emotions up front that day, allowing myself to feel it. Okay. So, well, I mean, I'm saying K here because I'm, I'm one of those people that probably likes to ignore the emotions until they just push themselves out at probably the most inopportune time and Uh in places that aren't the most opportune as well. So thinking of people like me, how, how should they face this a little bit better? Because I like that you really did work through the emotions, meaning you face them and you're aware of them. So it seems like emotional management isn't about deflecting or ignoring or pushing away. What can they do to better handle this in that way? about facing these things, working through them. A lot of us, when something difficult happens, we will try to numb with food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guilty as charged too, or sure. Netflix, or mm-hmm. many people with alcohol. And numbing just delays the inevitable. And I, and I know that to be true. So mm. I, f- I find it really helpful to schedule time as part of your morning routine, maybe time for the bath where you schedule time to do what I call feeling it to heal it, feel it to heal it. And Mm. you just figure out what am I feeling in my body? What am I feeling in my heart area in particular? What am I feeling in my stomach? A lot of us will hold anxiety in our stomach areas or in our shoulders. A lot of us will hold depression in our heart area. And just recognizing that and allowing it instead of resisting it, gets it to dissolve and move on through. It's almost like it wants you to know what you're feeling so you can start to analyze what you're thinking that is actually causing those feelings. Mm -hmm. So now I said numbing isn't the best. I think sometimes we all have to shut off our brains a little bit when it gets overwhelming and that's okay. As long as you've spent a little time every day figuring out what you're feeling and why you're feeling it, where you're feeling it in your body, if the feeling had a texture, what would it be? If it had a color, what would it be? Okay. And get really clear on where those feelings are in your body. Then they'll mm-hmm. dissolve and move on through. So I that's, like that sense of yeah. visualizing it and even paying attention to the physical sensations. Um, I hadn't you know, thought of that, but that's a great way to identify what you are feeling, even physically pointing towards emotions. And the color, that's great too. I do love what you said though about Sometimes we still do need breaks, but I think the difference between the numbing behavior and those breaks is that intentionality piece. So Mm -hmm. how has that looked for you? What has been a helpful way for you to step back and take a break when when it is needed instead of the numbing? Yes, I do something that's called a bold meditation. Now, some of your listeners might not meditate, but essentially it just means taking a moment to breathe, bold as an acronym for breathe, observe, let go, and dialogue. Let me explain those. Mm. So breathe, just by breathing deep into your diaphragm, you signal to your body that you're safe and it moves you out of fight or flight and back into your parasympathetic nervous system. So a few deep breaths, a minute of deep breathing is essential to start to metabolize that cortisol and any other negative um, chemicals and emotions going on in your body. Then once you've breathed a little bit, start to observe, breathe, observe, observe thoughts. What am I thinking? I'm thinking I'm mad at my kids. I'm thinking I'm mad at my husband because he didn't help with the homework. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking this is hard. I'm thinking 
this isn't fair. I'm thinking coronavirus stinks, whatever. Just figure out what are you thinking? Because every single one of those thoughts generates a feeling in your body. Every single one of them. And if we don't take charge of our thinking, we're going to feel really, really lousy. So after you figure out your thoughts, you can notice just what you're feeling. Sometimes your feelings are there being generated by thoughts that aren't even at the conscious level. Sometimes we've thought a thought for so long, our brain just sticks it in the subconscious, which means we're not noticing that we're thinking it, such as, oh, I hate my husband, or, oh, this one child is so hard, there she goes screaming again. They become so automatic that somehow we've got to bring them back to our consciousness. You can do that with journaling, for example, or just noticing. But so breathe, observe your thoughts, your feelings, And even the sensations in your body, like Mm -hmm. we talked about before. Mm -hmm. And you realize in that place, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm really sad. I didn't know I was sad. Or I'm really feeling resentment about how it's unfair my husband isn't doing his share. Or Mm -hmm. this teenager is being sassy. Or, you know, just checking in with yourself. Then finally, L, let go of what doesn't serve you. Thoughts feelings or sensations. And then D, I love this one, dialogue. Mm -hmm. So after you've kind of cleaned out your emotional status and the thoughts that don't serve, you're in a place to have a dialogue with God or your higher self or with the universe, whatever you believe. And just ask a little question like, huh, what is my next best step today? It's a Mm -hmm. simple, easy question. Mm -hmm. And your first thought is almost always your best thought, Mm -hmm. the right thought oh, my next next best step is to go watch Harry Potter with the kids. I can do that. Yeah. Cool. And it's very usually a very heart-centered dialogue because you've done the work to breathe, observe, and let go of the thoughts and feelings that aren't serving you. And you get to the root of what's really there, what's really important, what's really a priority. That so is, that's bold. That is beautiful. How did you learn this? Or is this is this Jen? Is this Jen writing? <laughs> this is me. Oh, this is mine. Incredible. Yeah. Okay, so um, talk talk me through this then. Uh, how did you evolve to learning this? I mean, was there something in your own past, like your own mini COVID nineteen within you know your own emotional life that brought you to this place where you had to learn this process? That is an interesting question that I've never even contemplated before. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember as a child lying in bed and praying, staring at the ceiling. And um, just having conversations with God and realizing I could, if I got really quiet, I could tap into something much greater than myself. Mm. Um, then I discovered yoga probably 15 years ago. Yeah. I, that's when I realized moving my body can help me tap into how I'm feeling. Mm. Then, then, of course, through yoga, I discovered meditation. And I guess it's just a daily practice of getting really quiet and meditative and calm and prayerful and recognizing, wow, there's a lot going on inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so I made an acronym out of it eventually a few years ago. (laughs) I'm sorry if that's not more profound, but. But what I love about it too, Jen, a lot of what we talk about is being able to do things practically and take action on things. We're really action oriented in this community. And this is something that I can hold on to better because of, you know, that breathe, observe, let go dialogue. Those are steps I can take. Um, that help make what might seem untouchable and unknowable 
known and doable. So I appreciate it so much. For women, now, I, I want to add something. Yeah. Many of us, especially those of us who grew up in a religious tradition, mm. will try to go straight to dialogue. Oh, we should say a prayer. But how much more powerful your prayer can be if you first breathe and get your body in the right state, get out mm-hmm. of fight or flight, and you observe what's happening there, and then get to this clean, cleansed out, beautiful place to receive that next best step or whatever other form of dialogue you're going to have, you've, you've cleaned your emotional and mental house, so to speak. So I I really like it. That makes so much sense to me. So how are you able to do that now? I mean, is this still something that women can make time and space for, or, or maybe even how you are doing this yourself to, to create this space for you to care yourself in this way. I mean, maybe you can't do this exact process every day, but even just creating that space that you've talked about a few times. Okay. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm actually able to create this space mm-hmm. um, because I know my morning routine is critical for me. Mm-hmm. I, I probably am have tendencies towards quite severe depression. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say I have depression, but the women in my family certainly have uh, shown symptoms, yes. <laughs> but, um, so my morning routine just puts, I, I essentially look at it as my big series of dopamine hits that help mm. me face the day feeling good. So I decided early on in COVID-19 lockdown that my kids were going to stay up pretty late so that they would sleep in yeah. and I was going to go to bed early. So I'm typically, typically in bed about eight and my husband's in charge of getting everyone else to bed usually by nine 30. And that lets me wake up by usually six and gives me a nice two to three hour chunk of time without the kids being awake. Mm-hmm. And so I can fit it in. I know that sounds crazy for those with younger kids, but my kids are all old enough that they tend to sleep in. Cora, the six-year-old, is usually the first one up. And so if she comes in, she knows that I'll be doing my own version of a meditation, which has changed because our family actually caught COVID-19 about three and a half weeks ago. Yes. And oh my goodness. One of the, one of the best tools we discovered was in addition to vitamin C and a homeopathic remedy that we use is a, a breathing method called Wim Hof, W-I-M space oh, H-O-F. I am familiar with this. Yes. You are? Just yeah. barely learned about it. I feel like it totally saved the day. And so my husband was much worse than me, which helps me know it was coronavirus, even though we weren't allowed to be tested. He's a very fit person and typically wouldn't get sick, but he was much more sick. And so he was doing Wim Hof breathing. It's the exact thing you need to keep your lungs clear if it does move into your lungs. Um, So, And there's a lot of science behind it too. It's pretty fascinating. Yes, totally. So every day since we've caught it, I'm still doing this. It's the minute I wake up, I turn on my phone, I find Wim Hof's um, 11-minute video on YouTube, and I push play. So often, Cora might come in early, and she'll lay there and do it with me. And um, as soon as I'm done, my body's just vibrating with oxygen because mm-hmm. you've so oxygenated your body. Then I'll turn on a timer with the insight timer app. It's a meditation app. Yes. And I will meditate for 20 minutes right there in my bed. <laughs> I love this. So tell me that's more. my first step. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then after that, I love to get up and move. Movement is great for 
I think you've said this before, feelings follow movement. Yeah. Um, just moving allows those feelings and that energy to pump through your body. It gets your lymph moving, oxygenates your body better. And that helps with my mood all day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I do funny. all of that. Yeah. yeah, it's funny that um, for both of us, we've arrived to the same conclusion that movement is essential, as is having those committed habits and routines that help you be well so that you can survive the rest of the day. Now, this isn't like a huge day-long routine, which I love about this, but this is carved out space that you are prioritizing and committing to. And for a mom of little kids, that could look like five minutes of space or movement that's going to help you. Yes. Yeah. I find it, I find it important to have a long routine and a short routine. Mm -hmm. And there are days when I was sick, when I wasn't out of bed till 830. Mm. Of course, those days got the short version, one minute of breathing and, and one minute of exercise. And then I'd sometimes just get back in the bed because I felt so awful and to give ourselves to, to actually verbally say to ourselves, Oh, today I'm doing the short routine and that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. I love that permission too. And that way it's still keeping you in that momentum. It's still keeping that habit around, even just the shorter movement of it just, I think is really freeing. Like, so I used to do, you know, before COVID-19, I would do a longer day planning session at night and, you know, journaling Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And now I've just found that is really hard for me to do mentally because I'm not in a place where I can completely strategize a day ahead of time and have a longer list of to-dos. My my to-dos right now are my kids and that fluctuates from minute to minute based off of their needs. So, but it still helped me to still be in the practice of taking even one minute to write down a few things to do and not like strategize a whole day and write a half a paragraph in my journal instead of a whole page And it's just helped me stay in those habits without doing the whole long thing right now. But yet there's other things that, you know, I do the whole thing because it helps so much, just like your morning routine. And even if it's short, I find the repeated, the repetitious act of um, checking in with yourself, whether it's through journaling or meditation or whatever exercise, it it just gets you grounded and Hmm. out of those emotions, which can really threaten to overwhelm us right now if we we aren't careful about it. So it's so interesting, you know, we wanted to talk about emotional management, but a big piece of that seems to be physical management. It's, it's, you know, not being obsessive, you know, about doing things exactly according to plan or, or, you know, whatever that might be, but how movement is so key to that emotional management. You know, I have a funny story to share here. Love that. I yeah. come from a, I was athletic in high school. I played basketball and it was great. I also ate a ton of junk food, so I was never really a, a super thin and svelte person. Not that that always matters, but um, there were moments in my life when really cool girls would get me to go running with them, but it, it didn't often last very long. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've long viewed myself as someone who walks and who does yoga, um, kind of more gentle, mm-hmm. less cortisol-inducing types of exercise. Mm-hmm. But recently... I started to notice, now this is only my observation, it might not be true for you or anyone else, I started to notice that a lot of people in the online world who have podcasts and blogs and books, the one thing they have in common is deep early morning dedication to an exercise routine that gets them to sweat. Mm. And I thought, you know, what is it about 
that version of exercise that's so important. Maybe my walking isn't enough. So lately, now that I've recovered from COVID for the most part, mm-hmm. I've been doing walk slash run sessions. And I'm telling you, I'm only running just the smallest bit, but there's a difference. And the difference really? goes all all day long. Yes, I'm huh. not kidding. Yeah, I always walked, but adding just that running slash heavier breathing. I don't know what it's doing in the body, but my confidence is higher. My motivation is higher. People say I'm more cheerful. Um, crazy, right? So that's just something new I'm, I'm playing with. And I might start to identify as a runner. That's crazy to even say, but why not? (laughs) Yes. I was just going to say that. Why not? I mean, you just take it on. It doesn't mean you have to like hit a certain parameter, you know, miles or these kind of races run. Oh yeah. Totally. You're a runner right now. I am. Yeah. It might be 15 minute miles, but (laughs) hey, you're, you're still doing it though. That's all that matters. But yes, I think what is key here too, is just being aware. What is enough of a push that still grounds me? Um, because sometimes when we push ourselves in ways that are uncomfortable, like you just said, it does this tricky thing of also grounding ourselves in who we are and getting back to the heart of who we are, um, while also giving us a break too. And those ways we talked about more of the break from the grief and the stress and the anger that we really need. Yes, for sure. And you know, really listening to your body. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to share a reference that I'm sure could feel strange, but I've been reading the dragon riders of Pern. (laughs) I haven't even heard (laughs) of this. No, (laughs) my daughter had them. So I started, well, long story short, these people ride dragons and one little boy named Jackson, uh, Jackson gets a white dragon, a special dragon and it's small and he has to learn how to ride it by himself because it's so special and they won't let it be with the other dragons. And one of the big dragon riders comes by and says, oh, you need to be careful. Don't strain him. You know, don't ride him too long. You know, look here. We've got to make sure these muscles develop appropriately. And so that book was in my head. Mm -hmm. And as I started to run, I thought, same thing. I've got to be careful. I'm the Jen, the writer of this body. Yes. <laughs> and got to be careful. Well, how does it feel? Got to let these muscles develop. Yeah. And it's okay if it's just 30 seconds here or mm-hmm. a minute there and, and easing into the longer version. So for everyone, you know, be super self-compassionate and check in. How does it feel emotionally and physically, whatever you're doing? It's mm-hmm. just so important. Yeah, I think that's giving us the right to decide day to day, too. Um, this is this is what we need. This is what we need as a family. This is what I need to make it so I can be the the person I want to be right now. Um, so tell me, what has been the hardest part about this period, both for you and your family? I would say the hardest part for me, I'll be honest, is... The idea that because my husband is a higher breadwinner for our family, Mm -hmm. his career has priority Mm -hmm. and sacrificing my career for the kids. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, I couldn't even figure out where or when to work on my podcast or the other things I do online. And then I said, no, I'm not sacrificing all of this. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. And so I, I decided instead of being whiny and victimy about it and resentful, 
I just told everyone, like my husband does, he's so good at this. He'll say, I'm working in the van and he'll go sit in his van for the whole day and he gets his work done because he decided to. And I'm like, so I said, everyone, I'm working in my room. If you knock on this door before 12 o'clock, you're going to get an extra chore. (laughs) There you go, mama. Yeah. Nobody knocked on the door. And when I came out, they mostly had their homework done. It was Mm. awesome. Now, every day is not that good. But I would say just the resentment that, yeah, the resentment that as the mom, I need to go be in charge of everything. But it's not true. I had Mm -hmm. to create the boundary, like you said. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's a big piece to the puzzle. I think a lot of people are missing right now um, are those boundaries that they might need in order to be strong. Because maybe they think it's selfish. Like, it's selfish of me to say, like, I'm going for a walk. So good luck, you know, to a spouse if they have kids at home or, you know, older kids too. But really, how is that anything but self, you know, selfish to to set some boundaries and the things that you need in order to be sane. Exactly. And who says it's selfish, really? Exactly. Maybe it's selfish to have to control how your kids do their homework, or maybe it's selfish to have to control how clean the house is. Maybe hmm. letting them learn by experience and doing things at their own pace and maybe letting them go play with the cats instead of doing their homework and then they get to pay the consequence later and have to work while everyone else gets their screen time. Maybe that's beautiful. Maybe it's a gift. It's just all in how you look at it. Well, and one thing that has come up for me a lot the last few months is that we have to be willing to make trade-offs. There are always trade-offs. So if we decide right now that we are not going to have any boundaries, we're only going to be completely devoted to every you know, need or whim or thing that comes up in our families right now, um, then maybe that means the trade-off is our own sanity you know, or our, our own physical health or our spiritual practice. And maybe we decide that's not the trade-off I'm willing to make today. And you get to decide day to day that this is a trade-off I'm going to make. My kids need to be prioritized today. So I am trading off on my own spiritual practice. But tomorrow it will be reversed because that's what needs to happen. This can be flexible, these trade-offs. Yes, totally. Some days um, when I was sick, I had to sleep in. There was no morning routine or a very short one. Um, I didn't work on my business. I helped with the homework easily because I was just in bed anyway. And they all came and did homework in my bed. (laughs) So yeah, I agree. It's never all day can be different. And that's where Mm -hmm. I go back to that, that bold breathe, observe, let go dialogue. Sometimes I like to have a dialogue about what's the best way to spend my time today. Mm -hmm. What, what's the best way to feel my best and sometimes it, it's very intuitive that I shouldn't go for a run or I, I I should go help with the homework. I mean, it's really fun if you just give that space for going into your heart to make decisions mm. instead of just staying in your head. Ooh, I love that, Jen. Give space in your heart to make decisions. Yeah, I think right now so many of us are in our heads, both with the news mm-hmm. and, you know, just trying to do the right thing, um, trying to do right by our priorities with our kids and our works and, you know, our spirituality, like everything there, we're trying to do right by it. But sometimes that just means we're so on our heads. And I love that idea of giving space in our hearts for these decisions. Um, how, how is that helping you right now? So how, how are you dealing with this more emotionally, um, than you were in the beginning, um, by giving more space in your heart? Yes. Well, 
one of the big things about being in my heart, I close my eyes right now and my hands automatically go to my heart. So if anyone wants mm -hmm. to do that with us, mm -hmm. just putting your hands on your heart helps you drop into your heart and, instead of your head. Mm -hmm. So because I spend so much time practicing being there every morning, it, it's easier to drop back there when I need to more quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this space, I know who I am and how I want to feel, how I want my kids to feel. And it's easier in the space to ignore all the shoulds out there, mm -hmm. like from my kids' teachers. If we're not like Cora today, she did not finish her work because of various circumstances. And I decided how she feels is more important than finishing that assignment. And just going back to that idea of how do I want to feel and how do I want my kids to feel? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, pre-coronavirus, I feel like feelings didn't matter. It was more like they mattered, but not like they do now. It was mm -hmm. more, more about get the homework done, get to the karate, get to the drama, go pick up this child at, at their Taco Bell job. And it was just like, go, 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 go. Yeah. No one had time to even know how they felt. And so me leading the way, making sure I feel how I want to feel, I think gives everyone else permission to do the same. And for me to prioritize their feelings before anything else, which is something I've never really done before. Well, what I love so much about you, Jen, I mean, you are this, you know, st statistic minded woman. You love science. You love facts. You, you, you love being productive. <laughs> you love, you know, moving the needle forward and, and, and planning your days. Like I remember our last conversation, you talked about a weekly planning session you always do, but also mm. this other side to you of, taking creating space for those feelings to lead and how that it doesn't need you know it doesn't need to exclude the other that you can be both to be a whole person it means both this mind and this heart and how easy though it is to neglect the art so I, I this has been definitely a revelation for me how to practice like you said dropping into your heart and making time to do that so it's something that's not so difficult to do so you can decide in the moment what matters and how you can honor the feelings that you have and your family has um, instead of being so stuck in the shoulds in our heads you know you bringing that to my attention reminds me of masculine and feminine energy and I'll, I'll mm -hmm. give you the super fast explanation I don't know if your listeners have heard of it, but we all have some masculine and some feminine energy. It doesn't have anything to do with gender or sex, but we all have some of both. So mm -hmm. growing up on a farm, yeah, I was raised always to be in the masculine energy of productivity and focus and achievement and accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And we were guilted from being in anything else with words like, don't be lazy, get, you know, you need to get to bed so you can get up early. And I carried that into my adulthood without mm -hmm. even knowing there was another way. Well, as I was introduced to yoga and meditation, I, I felt things I'd never felt before, yeah. which I later learned was, was that restorative yin feminine energy, a healing energy, a, a, the energy of connection and nurturing. So those feelings of the feminine energy feel really good to me. I almost can barely stand to shift into my masculine anymore because I spent so much of my life there. Yeah. <laughs> so I have all of that, like you said, the stats and the get it done, but I really try to keep into my heart area, which I associate more with that nurturing, connective, mm. slower healing energy. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, yeah, that's giving me a lot of insight on what I'm missing right now is just that intuitiveness. And that's definitely something I want to tap into a lot more. And now I've just been listening to you. I really feel like this is, this is something I'm missing. This is a piece to a puzzle that I want to find and to put in there. And so I'm really grateful that you would share that all with us and, and share what you've learned. And, and, you know, a lot of people might be listening to this well past COVID-19. I think it's totally applicable to whatever, you know, shifts and circumstances they are facing and hard times and just how central it is to, to move and to be intuitive and to tap into feelings and all of this has been so helpful for me. You know, before we go, I, I would like to know, well, first I'm going to ask you to tell everybody where to find you, but first let's talk about what is, what is a lesson that you are going to carry, uh, from COVID-19 into your day-to-day life? Oh, it's easy. And I never thought this before COVID-19, how I feel and how my kids feel is more important than anything else. It's more important than their physical health or their education or their social skills. How they feel is the foundation of all the rest. And I've never prioritized that before. Incredible. Oh, I want to talk so much more. Um, you're just going to have to deal with me because I'm going to be your stalker in different ways now. But <laughs> hey, this is, like I said, this has been personally transformative for me to listen to you today. And it's definitely uh, reminded me what I'm doing this all for because I learned so much more than anybody else who's listening. So Jen, I, I thank you and I want to direct people to you. Where can they find you? Just come listen to my podcast, Vibrant Happy Women. Uh, have a lot of fun guests. I just interviewed Monica recently. You yep. can go find that episode. And um, yeah, find me there. Yeah. And like I said, it's definitely one of the first podcasts I really got hooked on. And the work you do is so transformative and has definitely shaped my life in more ways than one. So thank you so much, Jen. We appreciate your time. Thank you. As always, I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. Let's go through the progress pointers I have for you from this episode. Number one, numbing delays the inevitable. Two, feel to heal. Visualize and pinpoint the physical sensations masking the emotion. Feel the emotion and dissolve it. Three, bold meditation means breathe, observe, let go dialogue. Four, ask, what is my next best step? Five, ask, what habits and routines are critical to my well-being? Six, movement is key to emotional stability. Find some actions and ways to move your body that ground you. And seven, when you work through emotions, you can move beyond them. If you want access to the graphics that we have to help you keep track of these pointers, join my weekly go-getter newsletter, and they'll arrive right to your inbox each Thursday alongside a we got this note from me. Go to aboutprogress.com slash go-getter to sign up, and you'll get all the progress pointers from every interview we do free. I would love it if you could please share this show. If this episode has been helpful for you or any in the recent past, please take a screenshot of what you've been listening to and email it to a friend, text it to someone who needs it. And if you share it on social media, please tag me. I would love to say hi and a big thank you. Honestly, honestly, you sharing the show truly touches me and it helps me more than you can know. So thank you so much for all who have done that and supported me. 
I am here for you, friends, and I really hope that this episode with Jen will help you figure out how to regulate your emotions during this really stressful time. Um, And I just want you to know that I really care about you. I'm thinking about you, and I want to do everything I can to help you through it, too. If you haven't sent in a Dear Progressor note and you've been thinking about it for a while, now is the time, especially during all the chaos that's happening. Please go and share with us how you have been able to live with purpose even through a stressful, stressful time. Share what you've learned from the show. Share what you are doing to help yourself get along. You can go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show, be on the show to learn how it's so easy to do. And this episode means so much to our community to hear real women sharing their advice. It does wonders. Again, go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show. Don't be shy. You hear me stutter all the time here. You can do it too. This is where I'm going to leave you, friends. Keep growing and remember life is about progress, not perfection. Okay, mommy's going to record this part, okay? Can you be quiet? Okay, okay, shh, say shh. Good job, Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.